Welcome back to Good Lad Unscripted, the podcast. I'm Terry Goodlad. Usually Anna is sitting in the hot seat across from me, but today it's a very, very special guest, Crystal Ellis. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, Anna and I are foster parents, have been for the last three years, uh, and Crystal is the biological mother of the foster son that we call Jesse. His real name is Quamaine, uh, and uh, and we the the distance we have come i mean the first time crystal that we did we we did a podcast back in november of 2018 and Mm -hmm. that was you had made the changes then now just just some background just give some background of how you were raised and where you were at when we met well when we first met i had moved here from new mexico um i come from gang violence substance abuse poverty i would i know my dad but he wasn't around all of my siblings and i were raised by my great grandmother and my mother was in and out of prison so and it's still in prison now yeah she's still in prison now yeah now the do you want to talk about what the the events surrounding that just to give some context about my mother yeah going into prison well it happened it's about to be five years actually in march that my uncle was murdered so the date of we're at the crime scene where my uncle had been shot and immediately everyone knew who who had um did it and it was actually one of my uncle's friends a really good friend so and we've known each other basically all our lives so we knew where his mother lived, of course. So my mom ended up going to the guy's mother's house looking for the mom, but she wasn't there. But the auntie was there. So my mom ended up slicing her throat, and she's been in jail ever since then. No, she didn't die. This- no, the lady didn't die. No. no. And the reason she did that is just being so angry that she just lost her only sibling her brother now your mother's a gang member Uh uh-huh your uncle that passed away was a gang member Uh the people that shot him were the two guys that shot him were gang members Uh uh you told me once when we were talking uh and i asked you about you know that that culture that life there and you had told me that there wasn't anybody that you knew that wasn't involved in a gang like that's just that's just kind of a par for the course thing there's no one that i know or any of my family members that weren't in a gang when they were younger and now they're just like old so we would call them ogs now right and yeah so now your your mom is a crib yes so you were you were you were kind of born into it then, right? You weren't, yeah. you didn't get beat in or anything no. like that. Okay. No. Now, uh, now you ended up out here in Las Vegas. You want to talk about, uh, obviously where we were, we're no longer, you know, your, your, your case is closed. The DFS case is closed. Mm-hmm. You're reunited Thank with Quamaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long haul for all of us. And we'll get into that in a minute, but, uh, 
you know, when, when I met you was right when you got out of jail, I think you did one or two visits with Anna and then, yeah. uh, and so back in those days, back then at that time, he was in custody. We were his foster parents and we had to do the visits at a place called child Haven. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is you come in one end of the facility, we come in the other end of the facility. There's a common area in the middle where meetings take place, very supervised. Uh, it's not a place where they have armed guards or anything like that, but it is very institutional. Right. It's, I, it's kind of uncomfortable because as a mother, you're sitting there and you're having all these people basically just monitor you how you're doing with your child, basically. Right. So it's kind of uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, I, I can imagine. And and yeah. now when when Quamaine was taken, now we gave him a nickname, Jesse. We won't get into the details of that, but it was basically for his, sa- his safety and ours at the time. Right. Um, that was his nickname, and that's the public name that we used with him, and that's how everybody knows him in uh-huh. our circle is by Jesse. His real name is Quamaine, and, and yes. we call him Quamaine now. So, uh so when Quamaine was taken from you, what happened that, that that took place? Well, um, me and my son's father, we were just having a really hard time. We had got kicked out of his mom's house, and then we had went to his auntie's house, and he got into it with the auntie, so we ended up leaving there. And we were just low on money with the new baby, so he had told me that he wanted to go to a phone store and act like he's gonna purchase some phones and once they like proceed to do the order I like guess they bring them out of the bag yeah, and they, they set bring them out there, of the right? bag and they put them in a bag and you're ready to pay they sit them on the counter so what he was supposed to do was grab the phones and these are iphones so they sell on the street for a lot of money so what he he was supposed to grab the phones and run out of the store. Instead, he decided that he wanted to pull out a gun at the last minute and rob the store. Meanwhile, me and my son are in the car around the corner waiting for him to come. Now, you didn't know he was going to do that? No. Okay. Not the pull out the gun and the robbery part, but as far as like a snatch and grab? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so then the police caught you guys pretty much right away. Yeah, we were driving away from the scene and like you we can hear the sirens in the background, but we didn't think nothing of it because that's just what happens. And as we're headed to we're going to a hotel actually. So I'm driving and then I'm at a red light and I'm about to turn and I just notice there's a cop on the other side of the street, but he's looking directly at me. I mean, like, literally, like, me and this cop were looking eye to eye at each other. I'm like, yeah, he's coming for us. So I, like, drove, and sure enough, he, like, made a U-turn and came back around and followed us. And I turned into, like, this trailer park, and um, the, the cop made the turn with us, and... um. Like my baby's father, he was like really scared and he's telling me like the cops are coming like towards us and he's telling me to keep driving. But I'm like, I can't keep driving like they're outside with their guns telling us to stop. I got my baby in the car. So I'm like, I have to stop. Next so step I, is shoot up the car, right? Yeah. If they if feel I keep threatened, driving they towards have to do. them and they have guns, of course, they're going to shoot at us. Right. So I ended up stopping and he ended up hopping out the car and running and... 
um, me and my baby were left there with the gun and everything that was taken from the store. So, like, I just had to explain to them who Mm -hmm. ran from my car. And I went to jail and my baby got taken. And he he was on the run for some time, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's essentially uh, because Quamaine is an unusual name. Uh, it's not a really common name. Mm-hmm. Um, that was uh, our concern is that since he was at large from the police and potentially armed and dangerous, of course, uh, that, you know, us being his foster parents, we would be potentially in danger. Any, like if we take him to the gym and put him in childcare or something like that, that people there would be in danger. You know, everybody's in potential danger. So that's why we use that nickname. But, um, now you went to jail for a while, then you were released. Yeah. And you were released. Uh Tell me about that that first night in jail. Now, now Komain was four and a half or four months old. It was December 24th, Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. 2016. He was born on August 9th. So he was, yeah. So he was, he was three months about to be four. Yeah. yeah just about to be four. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you told me that, uh, and you know, you showed me the pictures of when he was first born and you and him were very, very close. You yes. were with him all the time, holding him all the time. That was your baby. Yeah. We How were did... very close. I never let anybody watch him as far <laughs> as like my, his dad's side of the family. Like yeah. if I went to the store, I was taking him with me. I just, he was just too small. Right. And, and so what was that like that first night in jail? It was horrible. Like I couldn't stop crying. And I just remember like, the whole time i just kept saying my baby my baby like it's a very horrible experience it's terrible now at what point crystal uh and and i understand that it may not have occurred right then but at what point after that i mean you got out uh, you know, I, I met you cause I took over the visits from Anna and, right. and, uh, I, my goal was to just to build a relationship with you. And so that if we had to, uh, you know, it's at some point, if you reunited with him, that perhaps, you know, he would have a better chance of not end up ending up, you know, in jail and, and, and being a statistic. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to kind of be there for you. And, and so <laughs> I remember that first day when I came into child Haven and you were there and I went over and gave you a great big hug and <laughs> like that. Yeah. I'm like, what is happening? I'm just looking like, <laughs> I know you're, you're looking at me like I'm nuts, but, right. but what do you do? Right. There's nothing you can do. Just <laughs> accept the hug. And <laughs> but here we are. Uh, where are we now? We're two and a half, three years later. Yeah. We're almost three years. Yeah. Almost three years ago since we met. Yeah. Uh, now in that time, uh, you know, we, we were getting together, I think, weekly or twice weekly for visits. And then the visit stopped at Child Haven and we were able to meet in the public. And so basically we spent our Sundays together for what a year and a half or something like that at what point did you say okay enough i don't want to live that life anymore and i want to change when did you make that pivotal decision to get to where you are now i think once i had an incident to where i had got into a confrontation with my son's father and he ended up kind of 
Because I had an order where I wasn't even supposed to be around him, period. So what he did was, like, basically call the cops and my PO, just basically trying to ruin everything that I had going to get my baby back and as far as probation and Mm -hmm. all that. So I let that go, and then, like, I was in the process of actually getting Kwame back. Do you remember? Yeah, I do. Like yeah. we're doing the house. We were visits, a couple of weeks away from you guys reuniting. And then we we're going to do the overnights. Yeah. And then that incident happened with his yeah. dad. That was in August of 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And so I let that like blow over. And I ended up getting the vid, get, getting it approved, his mother's house approved again. Mm-hmm. For what, the second time? Well, this will be the third time. Mm-hmm. Getting it approved for him to cut so I can start the visits back there. And she just up and decides that she wants to move to California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like. And these are the people that are criticizing you for not getting the child back. I mean, we can go on about that. Exactly. And, and yeah, the, 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 yeah, okay. At, at what point? Now, I remember at one point he had. He had cheated on you mm-hmm. and you confronted him with it and he That's assaulted when you. He, that was the whole um, calling of the police, the probation yeah. officer and all that. Now he, he had you by the throat and it was his brother that stepped in and, and intervened. Right. But I feel like the brother only stepped in and intervened because he had also pushed Attacked his mother. His mom, yeah. yeah. So that's how the brother came in and all that stuff. So what but the la- what made me realize that I was never going to be able to get my baby here was when she just up and decided that she wanted to move to California after I did everything I had to do to get this house back approved. Mm-hmm. She just up and decided that you just took the rug out from underneath you. Mm-hmm. So at some point there in that relationship and and I remember there were a lot of times you know I always tried to be there for you you know if you if you needed something or you know as much as I possibly could right. uh, and then these visits you know they were sometimes very very uncomfortable you know mm-hmm. sometimes very very awkward yeah. <laughs> you know but we stuck with it and we did the best of it and stuff like that I remember one thing when we first when we first met there that you were happy and you cuz you said you had prayed for uh, to God that that he would give you uh, like a Christian foster home for your son and that you saw he was doing well. And, and I remember you thanking me for that, which I thought was extremely unusual for somebody in your situation to have the wherewithal to say, gosh, I really do care about the best interests of my son. It's not just about getting him back. It's actually, I care about, I care about him. Yeah. Because like where I come from, like I've had family members in and out of the system and i personally know like what it does to the child and Mm -hmm. then the type of people that your kid could be placed with is worse sometimes than the child being with you so once i seen that my baby loved you guys he was happy he was healthy he was well taken care of it was like a big relief because because you've seen the other side of that yeah Mm mm-hmm now, now uh, again, I know there were a number of different turning points, uh, but there was a point where you decided you were done with the gang life. You were done with you know all of that whole thing, and you wanted to 
clean yourself up. We called it coming clean, right? You wanted to come clean. You wanted mm-hmm. to get everything sorted out. Yeah. Uh, when when did that occur? What was the event then? I think that was... Was that uh, the 4th of July thing? Yes. They took your money. Yes. Now, we had gone out. We had done a visit that day. You had saved up enough money to put a down payment on an apartment of your own. Uh-huh. And all those arrangements had been made. You went to... A gathering. A family at, gathering at... Of my son's um, father's side of the family. Mm-hmm. And we're, it was the 4th of July, and we are just having a good time over there. And I happened to be going back to my cousin's house and I checked my purse and all the money that I had saved was gone. And it's so many people there. I can't just say, oh, you did it. But it was somebody there in that house. Right. And it was so, all his family. And yeah, there you're, you're trying to get the son back that's part of that family mm-hmm. and, and being heavily criticized because you hadn't been successful to that point. Right. And then when you had the money, did the work, um, they stole it. Yep. And, and so what happened? What snapped? The, I, that was, it was just like either I'm going to remove myself out of this situation or I'm just going to lose my son. So I decided to call you and let you know like what happened and that I didn't want to be there and we went from there. Now you you took it you took it many many steps further. Um you you really you 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 went ahead the spoiler alert is you went ahead got your GED and I want to talk about that process a little bit. Yeah. Uh and then from there you went on to <clears throat> post-secondary school and and we'll talk about that in a minute but i remember when you did the ged and i remember the first day i finally convinced you to do the g get your ged yeah and and when you did i remember the next day you called and says you know i, I found the, i found the cheat answers for the ged online <laughs> i said okay yeah, crystal I was studying for it yeah the yeah. whole idea is that you know you're supposed to learn something but in the process uh, and you know this now is that the confidence that you gain. And I want you to talk about what you gained from doing the work. I, I, I want to tell this story though, because it's such a good story. And what it was is, uh, so you went ahead and you did the work after I, we talked about it. Right. Uh, I said, you got to do the work. You can't just cheat. So you deleted the answers and then you went to work and you were putting in like four hours a day studying yep, every, every day. day. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and then you got to the point where you thought you could pass the GED. And right. I said, Crystal, if you can only pass a GED, you're not going to pass whatever comes next. And I said, you need to set a goal for a hundred percent. And if you fall short of that, you still, you're still doing really, really good. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember, so you worked for a few more months and you studied again. And then I remember you wrote this sample test again and you got, I think it was 97%. Yeah. And I says, okay, great. You can write the test. And you said, nope, not good enough is what you told me on the <laughs> yeah. phone. She said, I'm going to get a hundred percent. And you did a couple of weeks later, you got the hundred percent. That's yeah, when you, on the practice on the practice test. test that I was and that's when you booked for the GED test uh-huh. that was done over four days. Yep. Right. Yep. Talk about that. Cause I remember how scared you were. Yeah. I would. Now you just got, no, understand you just nailed, you've been studying for months <laughs> Yeah. and you just nailed a hundred percent on the practice test, but you were still scared. Tell me about that. I just was nervous because some part of me felt like I wasn't capable of achieving it and I didn't want to fail. So my first day there, like the whole time, like 
I'm just super nervous. I didn't even think I was going to pass, honestly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so once I um, written the test and then like you just wait a, like 20 minutes and they'll like let you know your result. And then I see and I pass. Like, I didn't believe in myself because I did not think I was going to be able to do mm -hmm. it. But I remember that day and you were so nervous and, and then you passed it and you're so happy. And you yeah. went and wrote <laughs> two other tests and you actually did. And they were a tougher subject and you did even better on those two days. Yeah, that I, I noticed that with me. Like, I, I failed the easy stuff and passed the hard stuff. <laughs> I don't know why, but you overthink everything. Happens. Yeah, I think so. I think when you don't have the confidence and you start overthinking it, you start doubting what you what you instinctively know. And then I think again, we're at this point now where you've just you you've got a hundred percent on a practice test. Uh -huh. You've written three that you didn't think you were going to pass, and you and smoked pass. all three of them. Yep. And then it comes to the last day, and you were going to cancel, but you didn't want My to math. lose out on the money that you had spent on the last test. Yeah, because I didn't have it to repay, it, and I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. So I'm just going to, I didn't think I was going to pass that either. I but, just went because I couldn't. But you smoked it. To lose the money, and. You smoked it. Sure enough, I did it. Now, a few days after you had your G, got your GED, you enrolled in uh, Northwestern Community College in the phlebotomy and medical mm -hmm. assistant program mm -hmm. which is their hardest program right because you're learning two subjects is that correct yes yes and it's a dual program and for this is a nine-month program mm -hmm. uh, again you're back to doing the long days the long study days and, and like that you put your nose to the grindstone you were holding you were maintaining a 4.0 gpa yeah <laughs> <laughs> through the first part until we got to court uh and family court and the hearing master kind of pulled the rug out from underneath you again. Right, right. Yeah. Um, without going into that, um, because that, that issue's not closed yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, the case is, but there's some issues with that uh, right. hearing master that we may be looking into further. But, um, but from there, we had a talk, and then you got back in the saddle again, and you, and you turned it, and you ended up graduating with honors. Yeah. So first I started off in the the medical assisting mm -hmm. and then I did that for a couple of months where I was only just doing that and I was doing great. And then um, I started the phlebotomy course and it just, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. It was a lot. Like I have two subjects I need to study. I'm back to Four days a week going to school, and I'm catching the bus two hours every day to school, back from school, and working. So it, it was a lot. And then I had the court stuff going on with the baby, so my grade started to slip. Mm -hmm. And then, like, we had our discussion <laughs> about... <laughs> We've had a few of those, haven't yeah. we? <laughs> and I just had to get back on track and what you did do what I had to do. I didn't graduate with the 4.0, which is like high honors, mm -hmm. but I graduated with like a 3.7 GPA. So yeah. it's honors. Wait, which when it took a dip, it took a significant dip. Yes. And you recovered and uh -huh. got back to a 3.7. I think it was when I took the dip, I went down to like a 2.8. 
Yeah, it was two point something. I mm-hmm. And so you graduated with honors. Yeah. Um, you were well respected Exciting. at the school by all your instructors <laughs> and fellow students. I mean, you really, really achieved something. And then we got to go to the, the actual graduation ceremony uh, here in January. Mm-hmm. And we got to see you with your with your uh, your cap whole and gown, cap and, gown and, and then you had the cord for your graduating with honors and your little boy Quamaine was there and he was yelling out your name and how did that feel it felt I mean we were you you had amazing. your whole new family there there was Elaine flew in from Florida for that yeah there was uh, Anna and I were there uh, Anna's sister Lulu, Lulu. was there mm-hmm. and then all of our kids uh, right. Katie Emma and Quamaine it felt amazing like i i didn't graduate high school so i i don't i never knew what like what a graduation felt like like to walk the stage and get your diploma i've never had that before so it was exciting and being that coming from where i came from and the amount of changes i've made in such little time was it was a wonderful feeling and having Kwame there Mm -hmm. you there Elaine Lulu it was it was unbelievable yeah you know kids yeah everybody I mean that's 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 your family now right yes um now I want to go back and talk about because we're at a point now where you're looking for a job still haven't found one you know some and and it's like you're putting out three applications a day like they told you to do and you're doing your best that i've put in i sometimes i put in 10 applications sometimes i put in six like today i just did six applications so i thought you know once i finished school that it was just gonna be easy like i'm gonna get a job Mm -hmm. i'm gonna get a you know, I'm going to be getting paid really good. Like, I'm moving forward. Mm-hmm. But nope, the struggle's not over yet. Now, th- there's been a pattern with you throughout this whole journey where whenever you have a big setback like that, um, you kind of go into a bit of a tailspin. Can you can you talk about what that feels like for you? I've, like, what I are you thinking like- when you... When that happens, what are you thinking? What's what's going on? I just kind of what, like, how could I put it? I just kind of like once I'm like trying to achieve something, and then I like have high hopes and thinking it's gonna go one way, and then it goes another way. It like I get depressed and I just start slacking and looking for comfort in all the wrong places. And Sounds like a country song, Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I tend to backstep yep. when I'm Is getting it, rejected from jobs. When How do you feel about yourself when that happens? Like I can't do it. Is that why you backslide? Yeah. Yeah. But now every time, you know, when you think about it, God got you to hear Mm-hmm. he's got to have a plan, right? Yeah. Does that ever cross your mind? I mean, we go to church every Sunday and, and this is another reality that we haven't talked about, but um, your, your walk with God now, where has that come to and what, what, how big is that in your life for you? Yeah. Well, I grew up in the church, but as a kid, like we always went to church every Sunday but like as I was old enough to make my own decisions, I didn't really go to church anymore. 
So I ended up starting to go back and it's great. But I f- sometimes I feel like I'm not where I need to be at as far as church because like I still instead of keeping the faith and be like, oh, yeah, God's going to open the door for me. I like slip and I just that doesn't cross my mind. Like when not getting a job, mm-hmm. like if I'm going through like a depression, I never think about, oh, well, this is just what it's going to be for now. And God's going to make a way. He's always got a plan, right? Yeah. So I, I have a I think I have a long way to go as far as church and everything else. But I'm happy to be where I am today. It's not easy. And I'm just going to keep pushing. Well, that's the thing about about Christianity is it's about faith. And and sometimes, you know, we ask for things and sometimes we don't get them. But what we get is we get things like GED tests that we find out what we're truly capable of. Mm -hmm. And then we go to school. And not only did you complete school, not only did you complete it with honors, but you led many of your classmates voluntarily. You were mentoring your classmates and you became a leader in that in that class, right? Yeah, my friend Cynthia, she used to always be like, "Oh, you got this. <laughs> you know all the information." <laughs> but that's the thing is is uh, at, at what point, Crystal, do you stop believing the lies about what the old life taught you and start believing what the things that you're actually doing now? Is that something that you think about, or? Is that where the work has to happen? I think that's where it has to happen. Like I was saying about keeping the faith, like I know what God is capable of because I've seen it. Like I've asked for things and he's given them to me. So I don't know why when something's not going the way I think it should go or the way I want it to go, I just think it's like the end of the road. When he's proven to me, on more than one occasion that he answers prayers so i just have to i think i that's where i need to work on and keeping the faith when it seems like everything is just falling well and the truth is too is that sometimes what it is is it's uh you know we don't get what we want simply because you know he wants that as an opportunity for us to grow wouldn't you agree Yes, I remember. And so at a time like this right now, what are you doing to improve yourself? And we had this talk the other day too, right? Yeah, I'm just taking it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Like that's all I could do and just make sure I'm doing something every day to get to where I want to be. So Is this new for you? Yeah, very. <laughs> now... Again, uh, something I think I want to sort of emphasize, uh, we had this conversation one day in church and, you know, everybody in that old life, I mean, you're close with your sisters, right? Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and you've got your son, Tyshawn Mm -hmm, as well, close to him. Um, but none of them are living here in Las Vegas. You're kind of here on your own. Yes. Okay. It's you and us and that's, that's it. That's it. So, and I remember we were in church one day and we were there with what, three published fitness models and Kimmy and she's an ex pro fighter and very, very famous person and all like that. But, Mm -hmm. but these were your friends and I was pointing that out to you and you said, yeah, but I feel like I kind of don't belong. Like they're sort of judging me 
because of my story. And I explained to you that actually Crystal's the opposite. They look at you and they realize how rare it is to make the choice that you did, uh, to put your life at risk to make that choice, yeah. and, and that they actually have a, a very, very deep respect for you. Did that? Do you feel that way now or no? Kind of, but I think it's going to take some time. Like, it takes time for me to let somebody in and be able to fully trust somebody and feel comfortable. Like, look how long it took mm -hmm. us to be yeah. where we're at. Yeah. So... I just have a hard time adjusting to new friends that have not been where I've been. Mm -hmm. I always feel like I don't belong or they're judging me. So I'm not there yet as far as feeling like, oh, these are my friends. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure to come. <laughs> now, any part of that is race an issue. You're African-American. Uh, you know, everybody else has got, you know, a different mixture in there. You know, Kimmy's part Indian, Native Indian. I, Anna's got some, you know, varied history, uh, right, you right. know, like that. Is, is that a part? Is that a factor for you? No. Do you think it's a factor for anybody else or do you feel like it is? No. You never get that sense. No. Yeah. Because nobody all. cares. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter to anybody. Exactly. Uh, so what's next, Crystal, for you? I Where do you want to grow the most? Because when you're not I, doing the downward spiral, you're going just as hard the other direction. Right. So what I need to focus on is like getting myself together because like there's a lot of stuff I notice from my childhood that still affects me to this day mm -hmm. and it's weird because I remember you saying that Kwame or even some kids don't mm -hmm. do well with change right and I just remember that once we recently had a change like I think that's where it started for me. You don't do well. And with I'm 33. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, maybe it was the change and everything that kind of. Well, you never had a lot of stability in your life, have you? Set, no. So what does instability mean? What's usually wrapped up in stability? I think just some consistency, like the same thing like a consistent everything i'm doing is consistent on an everyday basis is mm -hmm. i consider stability for me like mm -hmm. i just have to be doing and feeling like everything is okay when you don't feel like it is yeah death is a big trigger for you isn't it yeah and there's been a lot of that there's, mm -hmm. I mean, since we've met, there's been a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, a good deal of it is all gang-related, right? Mm -hmm. And these yeah, are family members. Yep, family members and friends and and like that. How does that impact you? Um, like what? Because most, most, most of these conflicts are really over... Well, not that there's anything that justifies killing somebody else, but... Uh, 
But a lot of these things are just kind of stupid. Like you said, it's just colors, right? Yeah. Um, I think losing my great grandmother, mm-hmm. which was all we ever had, was where it all began. And then the next best thing outside of my grandmother was my uncle and that just put it over the top so when now he was murdered yeah so now and i then, and then then your mom ends up going to jail for the bed for the mm-hmm. attempt murder for you know rent the same like you lose your uncle and your mom at the same time right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so now i just don't what happens like inside of you when 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 you when there's a death because it it deeply visibly it, affects you yeah it just brings back a lot of bad memories and it kind of like puts me in a bad headspace. tell me about the night your uncle was killed it's what what do you mean as far as what? well you know you said you saw him at the house he was at your house for a minute left you some headphones yeah and then he um, went down the street to see his friends and it was a few minutes later you got a call yeah um the day of, I had just seen my uncle 20, 30 minutes before it happened. And you were really, had, really tight with him. Yeah. Very, very close. Very, very so close. So what did you do when you found out he had been killed? I, well, I was taking a nap, actually. And then my auntie came and woke me up. And she's like, they shot Marvin. So... I just get up, we all get up, we leave the house, and it's literally five blocks from where I live, where Mm -hmm. he was shot at, and we get there, and, you know, they have the yellow tape, and I see his car, like, against, on the side of somebody's house, Mm -hmm. like, he ran into their house, kind of. Mm Mm-hmm. So I kind of just like try to talk to the police so I can go see him and they wouldn't let me through. So I just ended up just running past him and running to his car and just getting in the car and just seeing him like slumped over. It was horrible. Do you still see that? Mm hmm. Is it hard to forget that? Yeah, it hurts. Yeah. I'm sorry, baby. I'm sorry. How did it make you feel about what your mom did right afterwards? I, I, as far as my mom. Like you lost your mom right away because she got arrested. I wasn't. Cause I was hurting so badly. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't really care that she did that to them. It was just about her going to jail and losing her. Yeah. Now the retaliation thing, that's just part of the gang life, right? Yeah. You pretty much have to retaliate if something happens, right? Yeah. I think it was for my mom. I think it was bigger than it being like a gang retaliation and that's what's supposed to happen. Like at the end of the day, that was her brother. Like, and where we come from, like, what, what are you supposed to do? Like, you don't just let it, you don't get a pass Mm -hmm. basically. Did anybody go to jail for Marvin's death? Yeah. 
they, they it was two of them. They both went to prison. Like I had moved back to New Mexico when my uncle's trial began. I was pregnant with Kwame. Mm-hmm. So I was there for his trial. I probably came moved back to Vegas a month before, not even a month, probably two weeks before I had Kwame. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but they went to prison. One of them got like 30 years, and I think the other one got like 20. Mm-hmm. So. Now, growing up, uh, you talked about, I remember you told me about a Christmas morning when you came down and expecting Christmas and there was no Christmas and you turn on the TV and you saw that your mom had been arrested. You want to talk mm-hmm. about that? It was, we were really young and I just remember my mom and her boyfriend and my auntie. Mm-hmm. Well, it was actually my uncle's that just got murdered, his baby's mother. Okay. So I just remember them going out that night and that was Christmas Eve. Yeah. And, like, it wasn't even my mom's house. It was, like, my grandma's house. But I think my grandma, she, like, took care of us, and she took care of her handicapped son as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where my great-grandma was when we woke up. So when we woke up, we go downstairs, and, like, no one's home. Mm -hmm. So we turn on the TV, and my little sister Anna, she's she was crying because we were there by ourselves, and she's kind of different than me. <laughs> <laughs> she's a little softer than I am, so she was crying. I was trying to calm her down, and then we just see the news where there was somebody had got killed. We did it didn't show that it was our mom. We had got a phone call mm-hmm. and said that our mom had went to prison for a murder charge. Okay. She killed somebody. Yeah. How long was she gone? Ten years. So you really didn't grow up with your mom that much? No. Like, I, I know her. My grandma used to take us to see her when she was in prison. And the little short amount of time that she was out, she stayed with us at my grandma's house. But other than that, no. She went in again after that? She was in and out my whole life. I'm 33 now. She's still in prison. Yeah. So all my siblings are grown. Even my little youngest brother, he's about to be 19. So Mm -hmm. we're all adults now. That's a lot to put behind you, isn't it? Yeah. I just, for me... Like, I forgive my mom for not being there just because I had to think about, like, how she was raised mm-hmm. and, like, no one showed her how to be a mom. So, like, when I was younger, like, I used to resent my mom, like, I didn't care for her at mm-hmm. all. But now that I'm older. You've got a good relationship with her now. Yeah, I forgive her. Like, mm-hmm. I know my mom's been through a lot. Like, her mom introduced her to crack cocaine when she was 13. So, it's like, how do you expect? She's going to turn out. Yeah, exactly. So, I just, and now that I'm older, 
she tries her best to be there when she is out she does a lot for me so now statistically and i've done the research statistically you know a kid especially an african-american male child um exposed to drugs guns violence by the age of 21 has got it's a single digit number i can't remember what the number is but it's a single digit number of the chance of them not being in the uh, in the criminal justice system or involved in drugs or addicted or addicted to a substance or something mm-hmm. like that do you think about Komein that way do you can are you concerned about him yeah to a certain extent because like I have my older brother I think it's kind of like everybody's gonna go through something and experiment with stuff that they're not supposed to but like I said, I have an older brother that he was drug exposed. He lived the same life I lived and he does way better than me mm-hmm. and always has been like he doesn't involve himself in that life. So I think it's just kind of more about you just wanting to do better. Mm-hmm. and not wanting to be a statistic and just doing the best you can and learning from what you've been through. Do you believe it's a choice? I believe it's a choice. I think a lot of people would like to blame a system and they, they try to blame a larger thing. Uh, but that's something you've always maintained with me, which I was, uh, f- frankly, I was very surprised to hear but you've always taken full responsibility for your choices and you've Mm -hmm. always maintained that it's a choice. Yeah, I feel like it's a choice. Yeah, you've been through a lot, but it's like, like for me, it's because I've been through so much that I want better. So it's like a push in the the opposite direction because you don't want to be where you came from. So I, I think it's a choice. Now, This is an uncomfortable or an odd question for me to ask, but uh, what I want to find out is, um, you know, we were there and, uh, you know, full disclosure, you know, you call me dad, I call you my daughter, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that we're going to press forward and we're going to have some legal documentation to that effect soon. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was by your request. Uh, that was something that you wanted and we wanted to do as well. But how important is it to have somebody like that? I know your sister, Anna, and you are close and uh, Mm -hmm. you and both your sisters are close, right? Right. Omnique and Anna. Uh Uh, And, and they're doing well. Yeah. And, uh, and you've inspired Omnique to get her GED, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you become that leader. No, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Before I ask this serious question, I just get this vision. Okay, you got to tell the story about what you did with the with the toenails and stuff like that when you were young. Yeah, so as a kid, like I'm the oldest and I'm like the roughest, yeah. you would say. So what I used to do, I used to bully my sisters and my little cousins. So I would just make them like, paint my toenails, take the polish off, paint them again, take it off. (laughs) 
Like, I would have them clean my room for a week if they wanted something that I had. Yeah, I was... <laughs> but it's so funny because you were talking to Anna a while ago and she said, Crystal, you can't push me around anymore. Yeah. She's like, I'm not little anymore. <laughs> you can't push me around. So that relationship with the, with Armenique and with Anna is, is strong. Yes. Okay. Those relationships. Now, I know we, we've been, we're geographically, we're here, mm-hmm. right? And we see each other all the time. It's pretty right. much a daily thing. And if we're not seeing each other, we're talking to each other. Right. Um, how important is that? You know, we talk about the choice. It's a choice. Mm-hmm. But how important is that support? I think. And, and I guess how important is it and what does the support need to be? It's very important. Like. I feel like if more people that come from where where I come from mm-hmm. had the support that you and mom have given me, that it would be, they'll have a better chance in life succeeding. Like, because y- you need somebody to believe in you. You need somebody to push you. You need somebody to be constantly telling you that you can do it. There's nothing that you can't do once you put your mind to it. Like, you need that. And coming where I'm from, like, we don't hear that. Like, it's just different. And I think if there was more people willing to... Shit, I don't want to say sacrifice... Mentor? But I guess it is a sacrifice. Commit. Like, commit and even like taking that. Because I guess it would be kind of scary. Like for. Well, when you take on somebody some, else's life, you take on their life. Right. The right. good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. I mean, we just just so everybody knows we've take had a chance on somebody. We, we're dealing with death threats. We've had you know, one attempt already we've had, you know, it, it, this has, this hasn't been worry free, right? you know, right. Uh, but we've stuck together. Yeah. That's what I'm, so that's the word I want to use. If there were more people taking chances on people like me, I think that there'd be a lot of more stories as mine. And you know what? I think that's the perfect place to end this. Crystal, I love you so much. This is such an amazing story, and the story is going to continue for years and years and years to come. You'll be changing my diaper someday. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. This is a Good Lad Unscripted, the podcast. We'll be back with a couple uh, in a couple days. Sorry, I'm just a little off. It was a touching <laughs> segment. I hope you enjoyed it. Talk to you soon. Bye.